Well, this morning we are going to be looking at another miracle child. We're going to look at the book of Samuel, chapter 1, and we're going to read the whole chapter. Um, You can find that in your pew Bibles on page 418. Samuel, chapter 1. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Panina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking, In Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were not moving. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah, Elkanah lay with Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. 
So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah flower, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Thus ends our reading of God's holy word. May all who hear it find comfort from their high priest, Jesus Christ. When I was 17, I lost both my cousin and my uncle in a horrific car accident. It was the 4th of July, and they were coming home from watching fireworks when suddenly, out of, out of nowhere, a, a car crossed into their lane and hit them head on. The driver had been drinking, and yet, for some reason, she had decided that it was okay to get behind the wheel. Often in life, we are faced with tragic moments, moments that are out of our control. Moments of great sadness and, and trouble. And though there is, there is nothing that, that you and, or I in particular did wrong, these, these tragic moments, they, they come to us nonetheless. It's just life handing us a raw deal. Perhaps you grew up in an, a, in an abusive home. Maybe you were diagnosed with cancer. Perhaps a tornado struck your town and you lost a loved one. You lost a home. Or maybe, just maybe, your, your dreams of becoming a, a mother were dashed to pieces because you are infertile and barren. Events such as these, they, they can bring about within us many, many emotions. Anger, frustration, bitterness. But not the least of these emotions is sadness. This Advent season, we have been looking to these miracle children that we find in the Bible. And if you recall from our first week, we, we, we looked at Isaac, the, this child of promise who, who seemed like he would never arrive. For, for his mother, Sarah, was both barren and, and very, very old. And when God had told her that, that she would conceive a son, her, her reaction to that news was to laugh in disbelief. She doubted God's word. For she was already 90 years old and her husband Abraham was 100. And yet, within a year's time, she, she did give birth to that son. And she named him Isaac, which means laughter. You see, the, the, the laughter that Sarah now had was a laughter of great joy. For she experienced the faithfulness of God and was blessed by that faithfulness. And then last week, Todd, he, he shared with you the story of Samson, another miracle child. 
For God had blessed another barren woman, allowing her to give birth to a son. And not just any son, but a judge. A judge who would deliver his people from the, from the oppression of their enemies. You see, Samson, he was this mighty, mighty warrior. And he took on a whole nation all by himself. God used this man throughout his life to remove the heavy hands of the Philistines. And yet, Samson's greatest victory came through his death. For he defeated more enemies through his own sacrifice than he had previously throughout his life. Which leads us to today and a third miracle child. Yet before this child would come, we, we bear witness to a sad and depressed woman who was also barren. A woman who, who desperately desired to have a son. Look, look at our first verses. Look at verses 1 through 3. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Now, our story begins with this man named Elkanah, a Jew who had two wives. And he was living during a period in Israel's history in which there was no king. There was no one to guide them and direct their steps. Instead, everyone did as he saw fit. And so these were dark, dark days. A time when, when man's moral compass was determined by the leanings of their own heart. And yet what we see in these first three verses was that Elkanah was a devout man. One who year in and, and year out would travel to Shiloh, to the tabernacle of the Lord, to both worship and to, and to sacrifice to his God. In many ways, he was an oddity of his time. But, but we see that one of his wives, Hannah, was barren. And as we'll, we'll soon discover, this, this barrenness led to, to a, a myriad of reactions, not only from Hannah, but from the people who were in her life. Let's look at these reactions. Look at, look at verses 4 through 8. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Panina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? 
Sometimes the good intentions of a loved one can lead to bad results. And this is what we see with Elkanah, the husband of Hannah. He, he showed to his wife both love and pity. Each and every year he would, he would give to his wife this double portion of meat, demonstrating that, that even though she had not given to him a child, he still had a great love for her that he cared for her. And yet this special treatment did two things. One, it was a, a public reminder to this woman that she was barren. That she had never experienced the joy of being a mother, something of which she longed for all of her life. And then there was a second thing that this special treatment did. It fanned the flame of the, the rivalry that, that Hannah had with Panina, Elkanah's other wife. Now, I'm sure that Panina had felt threatened by Hannah. I mean, here was this other woman that, that Elkanah loved, and he was given to her twice as much meat as, as she was getting. Was Hannah loved more than her? Was she playing second fiddle even though she had given to her husband both sons and daughters? And so this Panina, she, she provoked Hannah by, by mocking and ridiculing her. I, I can only imagine some of the things that she would have said. You know, the, the only reason you're getting so much meat is because Elkanah thinks you're too weak. And so he wants to fatten you up. And then maybe, just maybe... You can produce for him a child. You see, what, what Panina was doing was tearing Hannah down. Tearing her down because she was jealous. Jealous of the love that, that Elkanah showed to her. And this went on year after year. And caused what was already a great sadness for Hannah to become unbearable. And so Hannah would weep. And not eat her food. Her heart ached. And as if her troubles weren't enough, she had a husband, though, though he had good intentions, who, who lacked compassion. A compassion that, that she desperately, desperately needed. I mean, listen to his words. Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? To all the husbands in this room, don't. Just don't. I mean, talk about missing the boat. There's no reason to be sad. You already have it good. After all, you have me. I'm sure there's many husbands in this room, myself included, who have at one time or another shown to our wives a similar kindness. But when you add this all together, all the things that were going on in Hannah's life, you get this, you get this woman who was in a great, great depression, who, who felt like she was all alone. For even those who were for her, like her husband, Elkanah, they, they just couldn't understand. And so her heart ached with sadness. 
How many of you have aching hearts this Christmas season? How, how many of you are, are feeling the, the anguish and the, and the pain that comes from living in a fallen, fallen creation? A, a, a great sadness has come upon you and you are the only one who understands why. Let me just say this. These, these feelings that you are experiencing, they are legitimate. For they are the results of a broken world. And to shed tears on, on Christmas Day is okay. You are not doing anything wrong. And though it may seem that, that, that no one understands you, that doesn't mean that you are all alone. I, I think it's fair to say that we have all at one time or another been in a place of great sorrow. And I'm sure that, that we have all felt like that, that we have had no one to turn to. No one who understands what we are going through. But when that is the case, what are we to do? To whom can we go to find solace? Look at, look at verse 10. It says this. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Let me read that to you again. In bitterness of of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. In her distress, Hannah turned to the, to the only one who, who could possibly understand her sorrow. She turned to the Lord. You see, when, when it seems that, that you are all alone, when it seems that there is nobody else, that, that there is no one who understands, there is this one to whom you can turn. There is this one who not only lends an ear, but can empathize with your distress. If there was anything that Hannah had learned from her husband, it was that the God of Israel would always be there for his people. And that is why, in the bitterness of her soul, she wept before her God and prayed to him. Dear friends, to, to, to whom do you turn when you are overcome with grief? Whom do you seek when life has become overwhelming and the sadness is just too much? Do you bring all your hurt and all your pain to God's throne? Do you weep before him? Do you beseech him? Listen, it is in the Lord and in him alone where you will find the solace you're looking for. For he is the only one who can provide to you the true comfort that you desire. Hannah knew this. And that is why she went to her God. She sought Yahweh in her time of need. But what was Hannah's prayer? Look at verse 11. And she made a vow saying, 
O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. The first thing we must notice here is that Hannah pleads with the Lord to be seen. That, that, that she would not be like some beggar on the street who, whom everyone shies away from and ignores. But that her affliction would be known to her God. If you only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant. She wanted to be seen. She wanted to be heard. But, she, but Hannah then goes further as she makes this vow to the Lord. A, a sacrificial promise to give her son to him if he chooses to bless her in this way. That if God would just give her a boy, then he would take that lifelong Nazareth vow and serve as a priest in the house of Yahweh. And so we see both a cry to have her, of her affliction known and a promise of, a, of sacrificial faithfulness on her part. But notice too how, how Hannah addresses God. O Lord Almighty. In the Hebrew it is Yahweh Sabaoth. Or Lord of hosts. What Hannah is communicating in this title is that, is that she recognized both, both the authority and the sovereign power that Yahweh has. That he is capable of doing all things. Even filling the womb of a barren woman. Here's the thing. In this prayer, we see demonstrated great faith. Hannah knows who her God is and what he is capable of doing. And she believes that he has the power to give her a son. And that is why she makes this vow that she did. Because if God would bless her in this way, then what more could she do than to give thanks to him by giving back what would be most precious to her. You see, it is her faith that leads to both her supplication and her faithfulness. But would God hear her prayer? Look at, look at verses 12 through 18. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a, a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. 
She said, may your servant find, find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. God heard this woman's cry for help, and he sent his servant Eli, the high priest, to speak with her. Of course, Eli, not knowing what God knew, confused a, a fervent prayer of genuine faith with drunkenness. But once he had figured out Hannah's true state of mind, Eli then blessed this woman, confirming to her that God was listening. And, and that is why she left. That is why she ended her fast. And that is why her face was no longer downcast. For she believed that God had heard her cry and that this blessing from this priest of the Lord came directly from above. And you know what? She was right. Look at verses 19 and 20. Early the next morning they arose and, and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. God had blessed this woman with a son. And she named him Samuel, which means heard of God. The Lord took notice. He, he saw Hannah's tears and her sadness. And, and in so doing, he brought to this woman both the dignity and the honor that comes from being a mother. And now her sadness was but a distant memory because God cared for this woman and provided for her a son. What an amazing, amazing story. But, but what are we to take from this passage? That if we are in distress and, and we make a vow to the Lord, then God is somehow obligated to, to give us what we want? No, of course not. And if that's your takeaway, then, then you've missed the whole point. Might I suggest that this passage has less to do with Hannah and more to do with God's established ministry of the priesthood. You see, while, while Hannah is a major player in this story, the, the focus and our focus should be directed towards God and the method in which he worked in this woman's life. This is a story about him. And how he brings about his purposes through his priestly work. I mean, think about it. What is the starting point for Hannah? Hopelessness. And yet, it is through the ministry of the priesthood where she finds a connection to her God. And it is through this connection that we see a fulfilled hope. It is in the birth of this miracle child that God demonstrates his loving kindness to this woman. You see, both, both Hannah and her husband Elkanah, they were devout Jews. 
in a time when devout Jews were hard to find. They went regularly to the tabernacle of the Lord to both worship and to sacrifice. They loved their God. They sought his forgiveness. And even during the dark days of her barrenness, Hannah still went to the Lord, knowing that her true hope rested upon him. And what did God do? He sent his high priest, Eli, to this distressed woman in order to bless her. And it was this blessing that brought her comfort. For it confirmed to her that God had heard her voice. And that he would remove her sadness through the promise of his word. I mean, what was it that Eli said to her? May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And a child would come. A son who would take away all of her shame. A boy who would would silence the lips of her enemy. That, That other wife who was continuously provoking her, she was now silenced. Yes, it is through this ministry of the priesthood that that Hannah's sadness, along with her shame, was removed and replaced with both joy and dignity. Dear friends, this is our story. We are a people who are living in shame and in sadness. We are a barren race. And we have an enemy who who loves to point out our weaknesses and mock us. He tells us that we are broken. That we are unworthy of God's love. He says that our, our, our troubles will always be before us. And that our sadness will never go away. And let's be honest, if, if we didn't have a strong and powerful God, a God who cares for us very, very deeply, then Satan would be right. Our sadness and our shame would remain forever. And yet, God gives to us his ministry of the priesthood. A ministry that can console our hearts and bring us comfort. You see, Hannah was was affected by the fall. She was barren because of the sin of her ancestors. She was childless because of the broken world that that sin created. And yet God is greater than the fall. He is more powerful than than the evil that we have unleashed. Look at at Colossians 1, verses 19 and 20. Here here we see Paul giving a description of Jesus. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When you think of the priesthood, what is it really about? It is about restoration. It is about reconciliation. 
to, to reconcile that, that, that broken relationship between sinful man and a holy God. This is why Jesus died on the cross in our place. For there must be blood shed to pay for our sins. But it's not only us that he's restoring, but all things that were broken by the fall. This is the, the promise given to us in his word. That all who come to a saving faith in Jesus will inherit a restored creation. That will find a, a new home where we, where we will be in God's presence. A, a new home where, where all the broken things, all the things that make us sad, they will be done away with. Look at, look at Revelation 21 verses 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. You see, the, the sorrow that, that, that you are feeling in this life will one day turn into joy. For just as Eli came to Hannah to offer the blessing of God, Christ has come to you. And so your face, it, it no longer has to be downcast. For, for you can worship your God knowing that your shame and all your grief will one day be removed. Yes, the, the, the story of Hannah is reflective of our story. And that's good news. But there's more to it than only the removal of sadness. More than the removal of shame. For, for after Hannah had, had weaned her son, she then fulfilled her vow and gave Samuel back to the Lord. Look at the end of our passage. Look at verses 24 through 28. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli and said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. What more could Hannah do than to give back to God what was given to her? Yes, she could have hoarded the gift for herself, but she chose not to. And so instead, Samuel would serve as a priest of the Lord for his whole life. This miracle child would, would take away the shame, who took away the shame of his mother would one day be the priest over the whole nation of Israel. He, he would guide these people back to the faith 
the faith of their forefathers. He would bring revival to the tabernacle. And it was even said of this man that that none of the words that he spoke would ever fall to the ground. For it would be God speaking through him, reaching into the hearts of both men and women. And what is more, God, God would one day use this man to bring about his Savior King. When this priest named Samuel would, would, be, would be given the privilege to anoint King David. But as great as Samuel was, let us not forget that he was God's answer to the humble prayer of a woman who was suffering a great, great sadness. This Advent season, there may be sorrow in your life. And you may have good reasons to shed tears on on Christmas morning. But let those tears draw you closer to another miracle child. Let them bring you to a a high priest who who is greater than Samuel. To one who can sympathize with your pain. And bring to you the deliverance that you're looking for through his priestly work. Let your tears bring you to Jesus Christ. For there is is no one else who is holy like him. And there is no other rock upon which you can firmly stand. For his promises are true. And he will one day remove your great, great sadness. Look to this miracle child. Look to Jesus. Let us pray. O Lord of hosts, we honor you this day. For we know that, that, that you hear our prayers and understand our, our, our great sadness and our great shame. Yet you have brought to us both joy and dignity through the priestly work of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask now that you would transform us from within through the reconciling power of your Holy Spirit. Renew us as you turn our sadness into great joy and our shame into dignity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.